Well, an early Merry Christmas to all of you after uh, the Buffalo Bills wrapped up their second-to-last game of the season, their last road game of the season, and their only attempt at taking down the Patriots with Josh Allen at the helm. The Bills lost, what was it, 24-12? Yes. 24-12, just a weird score to the the Patriots after a missed extra point at the end of the game. That was kind of hilarious kind of summed up the day too in, in its own little way but the bills really just just a frustrating day from start to finish whether it be from having some potential optimism kind of ripped away from them or just getting bowled over by by the patriots rushing attack we'll get into all of it joe Biscalia here on this episode of the bills beat with matthew fairburn my co-host from the athletic and matthew this game we said coming in was a litmus test, uh, kind of a barometer game type of feel for Josh Allen. And I remember you in the press box early on said he looks like like this game's a little bit, maybe perhaps, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the way it came across to me was that maybe this moment's a little bit too big for him right now. Yeah, I thought he looked nervous. Uh, he looked like it was getting to him. And I don't know... If the moment was too big, necessarily, I. Th- but in some ways, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I think early on in this game, it may not have been nerves. Maybe it was too much adrenaline. There was he was just off, and I think it was in his head a little bit that he was in Foxborough Stadium playing against Tom Brady, playing against Bill Belichick, who is still undefeated against rookie quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, it got to him a little bit, and. I don't know that that's the reason that the Bills lost this football game, but obviously the only reason I think most people are still watching this football team at this point in the year is because of Josh Allen and his progress. And we mentioned early in the week that you know not only was this kind of a barometer for for him and, and where this team is in some ways, but it was just one of those games where you expected... You know, you get a game late in the year where the Patriots have something to play for. You have a chance to be a bit of a spoiler and it should i mean obviously this is never the goal but this should have been the super bowl for the bills yeah for this season this should have been it's a chance a rare chance sometimes late in the year you're playing games against you know teams like the lions next week it'll be the dolphins and yeah there's probably some way to play spoiler but it's hard to really rise to the occasion and get up for those games this should have been a game where you come out and you're firing on all cylinders and really inspired to win the game. And not to say that you never want to question, it's hard to question effort, you know, from all the way up here. And I don't think that was a problem. But the lack of execution, the bad tackling, the the poor angles, the the dropped passes. Mm-hmm. I think we, you and I counted seven catchable passes yep. that hit the turf and very few difficult catches that were made. You know, they didn't bail Josh Allen out at all. And there were a couple of potential touchdowns, the one to Robert Foster that he looked like he lost in the sun, the back shoulder throw to Logan Thomas that went right through his hands, Isaiah McKenzie dropping everything in sight, and then the defense just coming out and laying an egg in run defense yeah. when you when they shut down Tom Brady. So all those things, I mean it's 24 to 12 at the end of the game. It really the Patriots didn't run away with this thing. And, you know, that just goes to show that the Bills do have quite a ways to go. It's still a very young team. Mm-hmm. And 
it's it's one of those things where I mean, leave it to the Patriots to kind of bring the Bills crashing back down to earth. Yeah, it, it was a bit. Although I think the way that it happened made it feel as though it was worse than it actually was. Um, and what I mean by that is, of course, the the run defense was a problem, and there's no doubt about that. But as soon as the Patriots realized they weren't going to get their passing game going, they decided to go heavy. And in doing so, they kept one person in particular on the field, and that was Corey Thompson, the undrafted weak side linebacker who only had 20 snaps in his first start last week. His snap count had to be way higher than that, and it was done with purpose because they saw, I mean, heck, I'm not an NFL coach. I don't diagnose playbooks or anything and and come up with schemes to, to attack certain players, but there were at least three or four different times of his 20 snaps, Corey Thompson, against the Lions, where he looked like he bit on something early and he was completely out of the play and the Lions ran it right up where he was. And if you're Bill Belichick, of all people, Bill Belichick sees that and goes, all right, well, there's our target. And that's exactly what they did. And not to pin it all on Corey Thompson, because he did come through and and have some good plays too, but it makes you wonder what today would have looked like if they had... Matt Milano at weak side linebacker, with, because there is a legitimate drop-off from Milano to Corey Thompson. There's no doubt there. And Taron Johnson. If they had those those two guys, I think this game is probably a lot closer than, than what it ended up being today. Now, they didn't, and so it wasn't. But on the offensive side of things, for as much as Josh Allen kind of looked skittish early on in the game, like the throw way over the head and... And I'll go on a, a secondary rant on how people were just waiting for him to make one bad throw a little bit later in the podcast. But the one over the head, uh, over to the to the boundary to Isaiah McKenzie, where he kind of looked back and was like, he's like, all right, I'm, I'm right here. And then the interception, the really bad interception, where he didn't see the defender strolling back to where he was throwing the ball. You know, those are instances where it seemed like the moment was a bit too large for him. But there were also times in that first half that, like you alluded to, the throw down the sideline to Foster that he lost in the sun that might go for a touchdown, might not. Who cares? It's a huge gain. Either way, that was a throw that was on the money. Isaiah McKenzie on a third down over the middle of the field. How about third and two? Isaiah McKenzie. The ball came in a little hot, but that's also a pass he has caught in previous weeks on a play that they designed specifically for McKenzie because he wins on those routes. How about catching a ball there? Logan Thomas, who you brought up. Uh, these are all instances of Jason Kroom fumbling at the goal line. I mean, he made a play, and then the potential for points thrown out the window because he didn't hold the ball tight enough. So all of these things add up, and Josh Allen was not at his best today. He was not the player that he was against the Detroit Lions. But I also felt he settled in in the second half, looked a lot better than he did in the first half, and was able to do some things, but at that point... Too far gone, and still his players weren't helping him out. So, this is not being an apologist for Josh Allen. This is looking at it right down the middle because he looked bad at times in the first half, but this was not all his fault today. He needs his receivers and tight ends and running backs, his running game, to step up around him. Hello, LaShawn McCoy. Hello, Keith Fjord. All of these things need to be better, and they weren't today, and it, it's inevitably what sunk them. With with Josh Allen, I mean, this was the worst game he's played since he came back from injury, I think. I don't 
think there's too much debating that. But in terms of him looking a bit skittish or even nervous, if you want to take it that far in the first half, or too amped up, whatever it was, he was not in control. But I do wonder how things change if he connects with Robert Foster or if Isaiah McKenzie doesn't drop that early third down. Or at least the perception. He would have been, you know, three for four. And if he hits on that throw to Robert Foster, he might settle right in after that, you know. And I think that's where these things can spiral out of control sometimes. And that's, you know, like you said, how the perception can change about a game and things like that. But he's a guy that, you know, as a rookie playing in Foxborough Stadium for the first time, if he hits on a couple of those plays, builds some confidence. I mean, he had a deep throw to Robert Foster uh, towards the end zone that that Robert Foster probably could have hauled in. Um, you know, if he was a bit more aggressive attacking the football, I thought I thought Robert Foster got the best of Stephon Gilmore on a handful of occasions. Today. Yeah, Stephon was definitely respecting his speed. Yeah, he was backing off him ten yards at times on the line of scrimmage, and I, I thought Foster again looked pretty good today and you're looking at a guy who's now getting the attention of Bill Belichick by putting Stefan Gilmore on him all game Mm -hmm. basically following him around so no longer can the lack of Zay Jones production be chalked up to he's getting attention as a number one receiver Foster's getting that now and he didn't light the world on fire but he had four catches for 52 yards uh, in a game where the Bills didn't put up much production and he had a few plays he'll want back but He's still showing those those moments where he can be a guy that can get free and, and make plays. And imagine if he brings that that pass in. And no. so those are the little things that are going to cost you against against a team like the Patriots. I mean, they held Tom Brady in check, but every time they got a turnover, they did nothing with it. And you just can't have that against a team like this. And then to allow 273 rushing yards is just insane. And, yeah. and Corey Thompson, you're right blew a few plays I think and Jordan Poyer mentioned after the game that he thought you know they've got Ramon Humber over there and he knows everything that we do it seemed like they you know he said it seemed like the Patriots knew what they were going to do in certain situations how how they were going to rotate on certain plays and and then that's when they attacked with some of those jet sweeps that hurt them so badly so and it really shocks me so that Ramon, Ramon Humber, Humber would, would want to get back at the Bills. Ramon Humber, if you want somebody to blame. I don't know that it's all on that because yeah, sure. how many times in the league are you going to play a guy that knows your playbook or knows what you do? Yeah, a lot. But to your point, Bill Belichick you know, noticed that Corey Thompson could be a liability and took advantage of it. And you know, the, this Patriots team's pretty shorthanded themselves. They just lost their best offensive weapon in the middle of the week. So they found a way to get it done. And the Bills just continue to blow opportunities. It's why, in some ways, it's it's such a deflating effort from the team or deflating result uh, more so than effort, just because things were trending in the right direction. And mm-hmm. today, it's hard to really hang your hat on too much of anything that went right. I thought, you know, a lot of guys put, you know, they they sure they held Tom Brady in check. That's your your saving grace in this game, but. It's not much of one when they run for 273 yards. No, certainly not. And I guess I guess I'll I'll do this now because it's very evident when watching Josh Allen go up against bigger teams, bigger markets, and everything like that. That 
the confirmation biases of of certain people shows through and it's when he makes one bad pass people are ready to jump all over it, more so than any other quarterback and we've discussed this before but but people have been trying to do this there was some random guy from cbs sports that tweets out a video like josh allen everyone in all caps on the throw where he he threw it way over isaiah mckenzie and into the into the new england sideline area which you know terrible throw and he had a few terrible throws today but that was a non-inclusive look as to what josh allen has been since he's come back from an from the injury and ultimately pretty unfair to to what he's been able to do and it, all you would have to do is go and read people that cover him every single day from a from a non-biased perspective to realize that hey he hasn't really been terrible like everybody expected him to be in fact he's been bordering on on something of a guy with a lot of potential and that's showing that he's he's had progress so when i see stuff like that and after one bad throw that uh, a random Patriots writer uh, says that he's terrible, um, notwithstanding when Ryan Talbot of Syracuse.com goes back and finds his receipts of draft night when the same reporter said, all right, well, look, this is uh, Josh Allen's going to be throwing incomplete passes in, in uh, Gillette Stadium in a, state, in a date near you or a date coming up. And then when Josh Allen throws a pass and like having an outright cackle from a from another reporter in the press box, like you don't have to just go overboard because you saw a few bad throws on the internet. I mean, go and watch all of his games before you're going to you know condemn him forever. And again, I w- like we have said both times that we have. Uh, we did not look at Josh Allen as our favorite draft prospect, but you know what? He's done a lot, especially in in the four weeks leading up to this one, to the point in which I don't think he deserves that type of just absoluteness to it. Like, let it breathe a little bit, like we said last week, and you know, just you don't have to rush to an opinion, or maybe it wasn't last week, a couple weeks ago. Who cares? This is a young quarterback trying to learn his way, going up against a really good team in the Patriots, amped up for the game, a little too amped up for the game, it, it seemed, in the first half. And then as he settled in, he started to make good throws, and there was no mention of that from from those entities. So, I don't know. I think it's it's all just a tad unfair, and this is coming from a very non-biased perspective because I don't care if Josh Allen fails or, or does well. Like, it's... I'm calling it like I see it, just like you are, Matthew. And and to sit here and neglect all of the things that he's done over the last four weeks, both good and bad, mostly good, I think that's a bit irresponsible. Yeah, it is. I mean, this is the game that we're going to play with Josh Allen for pretty much... I wouldn't be surprised if this is the game we play with Josh Allen as long as he's in the league. Because he's. I don't think he's ever going to be... I mean, you gotta you gotta be pretty damn good to avoid any and all criticism. Oh yeah, you know, I, mean, I mean, he he deserves criticism. Even, but that's uh, not the point. Even every you know, you gotta be like Patrick Mahomes good to avoid you know mm-hmm. p- people making fun of you at some point. For I sure. mean, or Tom Brady or Drew Brees and yeah, no doubt. You know, but he strikes me as a guy in particular that's going to end up as that 
Matthew Stafford, Joe Flacco conversation where the stats might not always be there. It might not always look pretty. He'll do enough to be a guy that the team wants to, you know, invest in and, and be a, uh, you know, an answer for them. And he'll have the moments that, that bring you coming back, but he's always going to have, like I think Matt Stafford does and Joe Flacco does and Andy Dalton, not comparing, not saying that's how good he'll be, mm-hmm. saying that he'll always have people who have their minds made up about, about him, just like all those guys do. And there's a lot of other quarterbacks like that in the NFL. Yeah, totally. Where a lot of people just have their minds made up about the type of player that they are and base everything, you know, their viewing experience on that. And so who knows if he'll be good? Who knows if he'll be better or worse than Matt Stafford or if he'll be a complete bust and people can, you know, laugh it up and and say they were right. But I think to suggest one way or the other, whether you know for sure at this point, you know, I I just think it's silly. It's it's one of those things where it's even, I feel like, infiltrated the fan base where there's a lot of people in the fan base that are quick to think he's not very good mm-hmm. and quick to, uh, or on the other side, you know, obviously there's people that want to defend their guy. And ultimately it's it's just a, it's an exhausting deal because who, who the hell knows? I mean, right. you have to give the guy some time. You have to let things breathe a little bit. We're getting a potentially serious phone call. <laughs> it's fine. Everything is fine. We're going to power through it. Yes, we are. Perhaps it was that reporter who heard you. Maybe. He's calling in. Whatever. To debate. I mean, I would I would go up there and ask him to have him on the pod, but I'm sure he's probably busy or he doesn't want to have it. Whatever. doesn't matter. But, yeah, it's it's just it's not going away. And, you know, the best the best you can do is try to try to block it out in, in whatever way. But either way, it's this is how the NFL goes. This is the quarterback position where – it's everybody's favorite position to debate. Everybody's an expert, and you know everybody wants wants their take to be right. It's why people have said fifty times that Tom Brady's done mm-hmm. at various points in his career, just trying to be first, trying to be the first one to have that take. And you know, I think Josh Allen has you know fallen victim to some of that. I don't think he cares. I don't think the Bills care. I, I think Josh Allen's able to handle it, and I think. You know that part of him is good. You like that part of him in terms of having the thick skin and not letting games like this get to him. Look, it was his first game in Foxborough Stadium yep. against the Bill Belichick defense or in Gillette Stadium here in Foxborough against the Bill Belichick defense. Like you know, it's he's gonna have a game like this. It's not you know to think he was gonna come in here and light the world on fire with the guys he has around him. I think is is a little bit naive. So. Would you have liked to see him be better than than he was today? Sure, uh, it was not a good game, one of his worst. But at the same time, there's a, a lot of missing context with a lot of stuff that goes into Josh Allen, and um, you know I think that's going to continue to happen. It'll be you could follow any visiting reporter or yeah. you know random national guys that are going to pile on because he's going to because he's he will have those throws that make make him look really bad, and and that's something he needs to get cleaned up, but. He's also going to have some some good moments too, and um, eventually, hopefully, there's some clarity, right, about whether this guy's good or not. But you just you just don't know in December of his rookie season. No, you don't. And you know this is this is going to be something that 
I'm sure. It, it goes along with any rookie quarterback, but all that said, I mean, again, like we said a couple of weeks ago, just just let it breathe. I mean, you don't have to come to a conclusion, absolutely. You don't have to be the first to say it every single time. It's like you can allow the evidence to mount in those situations. And then once you identify trends, then you can come to a little bit of a clearer conclusion. But we are nowhere near the conclusion side of things. I mean, he he's dealing out there with Robert Foster, Zay Jones, Isaiah McKenzie, Jason Kroom, and Logan Thomas with an offensive line that they might have to replace four of them. And that context has to be considered here. Speaking of that offensive line, one sneaky thing that happened, um, I believe it was early in the second half, right, um, was Wyatt Teller, the rookie left guard who was inserted into the starting lineup, he was benched for a couple of offensive series in favor of Ike Butker at left guard. I asked Sean McDermott about it after the fact. He said that they wanted to give Butker a look, and because a lot in the same reasoning that he used for Matt Milano early in the year when it was ridiculous that Ramon Humber was getting snaps, this time it's not as ridiculous a premise because Teller has showed some struggles where he wanted to take Wyatt Teller out of the action and have him look at it from the sideline and take him out of the speed of the game because things are going really fast for him, mile a minute, everything like that, just to just to give him some perspective. And then they put him back in there after a couple of series. And you and I were both watching him. He was... He was ready to go <laughs> after that. So Wyatt Teller found his first bit of hashtag adversity in as the starter at, at, for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, he did, and and those are the the small things, I guess, that the Bills have left to tinker with and figure out with one game to go. It's it's become a season. I feel like that it's been a painful one. There's been stretches where uh, for these guys they've had some encouraging moments, but far too many painful moments uh as most rebuilding seasons tend to go today felt like a bit more of that uh especially after the game in the locker room there was just a lot of frustration especially from some older veteran players namely LaShawn McCoy and Jerry Hughes but you can just tell that I think these guys are ready for it for it to end which you didn't get that feeling seven days ago things can change pretty quickly and that's why I say, you know, the Patriots can kind of do that to you. Yep. Like you said, in a game that at no point were the Patriots taking control. And, you know, the even the 12-point margin feels like too big for the way this game was played. They came out and they were asleep. The ball went through Rob Kronkowski's hands and got intercepted by the Bills. Like, they were... There were nothing in this game to, to write home about except for rushing the ball. Right, and that came on a half dozen chunk plays yeah. uh, a, a lot of a lot of those so all of that i think makes it you know more frustrating for these guys it's you know 7 days ago yeah they got an ugly win but you just felt like they were kind of coming together with all these young guys playing and they were they it felt like they had something to play for even though they were out of it and then they came out here and the patriots just they always find ways to to hang and even when they had lost they looked like a team that had lost two in a row and was ready was ready and maybe trying to drop a third in a row. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the Bills just aren't a good enough team yet to take advantage. Yeah, of, they don't have that. enough talent on the Even roster. when even when the Patriots are on the ropes, they they're not good enough to to deliver that that knockout punch. And 
eventually maybe they'll get there, but they've been trying for a while, and I still think these teams are heading in opposite directions with the Bills trending up and the Patriots trending down. The real question, though, that we don't know the answer to is how just how much are the Patriots trending down? Mm-hmm. Because if they step down from being the best team in the league to one of the best teams in the league, which is what they've done this season, that's not a, a big deal. And if the, the Bills go from, you know, really, really bad to just bad, you know, that's not going to be good enough either. So how fast will the Patriots decline? How fast can the Bills, you know, move up and and kind of improve in 2019? I don't know that, that that's going to be the year. It could still be, could still be a few years away. And a game like this makes you realize that even when the Patriots don't have their best, the, there's just too big a gap in terms of talent. And Bill's got a lot of work to do yeah, this offseason. Yeah. And watch the Patriots. All that said, Patriots are probably going to go out and go to the Super Bowl this year. Just, they, exactly. Just you, because you just, they can. Because they have the pieces to get hot. Yep. And that's what happens when you when you have the quarterback and you have the coach. And, you know, the Bills are still in a spot where – they think they maybe have the quarterback. They think they have the coach, but you just don't know. And 2019 is going to tell us a lot, I think, about both guys, uh, especially Sean McDermott as there's more talent brought in. Yep. And Josh Allen, same thing, as Brian more talent brought as well. in. For sure. So that's probably the, uh, the most frustrating part for Bills fans is there's a lot of uncertainty looming and yeah. answers aren't really coming. You know, yeah. and you, you kind of almost have to wait until – uh, week one of 2019 before you start getting some concrete answers obviously there will be hints throughout the offseason there will be additions uh, there will be moves made training camp and preseason will give you a taste of what they look like but the results on the field in 2019 are going to really tell the story of this rebuild and and whether it's still on track because you can write off this season you know pretty easily given what they did in the offseason with the salary cap getting a young quarterback and all you have to do is look at who's on the field some of these guys that were undrafted but the excuses won't be there in 2019 you know that that's the year year three where you're supposed to compete and you would think in a game like this when you know you have a chance to to beat a team same thing with the Jets game you know when you had had your chances you got to take advantage and I think this offense will become that as Josh Allen gains experience and as he has some talented players around him who can take advantage of you know not fumble the ball at the goal line. Yeah. You know, go after a pass a little bit more aggressively or not let it go through your hands the way Logan Thomas did. Those are three potential touchdowns. Four if you want to count Robert Foster losing one in the sun, even though it would have been, what, an 80-yarder. You know, that was also a potential touchdown. So you can't leave three or four touchdowns uh, on the board. You can't miss a field goal from 40 yards out. Yep. And you can't, you know, get two interceptions of Tom Brady and do nothing with them. And a fumble. And a fumble. And they got a total of, what, three points? Three points of turnovers. Out of those. So those are, are things that uh, you don't want to overreact, again, because like it's week 16 of a lost season where there's a lot of young players. And we talked about this in the press box. A lot of young players who might not be here next year. You right. know? These yeah. undrafted guys that are out there, I think you know a few of them will be a part of the team in 2019, but they're not out there because they're incredible players in every case they're out there because this team lacks a lot of depth and they have some 
guys that are just dead ends, uh, you know, as ve- as veterans, you know, that be it injuries or whatever else, they're on the field because this team is is very thin, and they may never get this type of opportunity again yeah. to stick around and be a part of, you know, an NFL team in such a significant role. And I wouldn't be surprised if a handful of those guys aren't, you know, able to crack the 53. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the type of team you're watching is playing with guys that may not be NFL players for more than a year or two. Yep. Well said. Uh, and to your point, just to add to it, this is, I mean, just go up and down the starting lineup. I mean, let's, let's do it as a team exercise right here. Let's go up and down the roster, the starting lineup, that is. Who's coming back next year? Josh Allen, for sure coming back. Josh Allen, Deion Dawkins, Robert Foster. I would say so. Zay Jones, th- these guys are coming back next year. So that's four on offense of the guys that played today, I'm saying. Defense, got Jerry Hughes, Trent Murphy, Starla Tulele. Tremaine Edmonds, Lorenzo Alexander, Jordan Poyer, Mike Hyde, Tredavious White. But is Levi Wallace the starter next year? Is Corey Thompson the starter next year? Is Kyle Williams the starter next year? So there are, I mean, that's, and what, even, what, what did I name, 12, that, 12 guys out of a total of 22? Even saying that, I mean, Jerry Hughes and Trent Murphy, I, nothing's guaranteed. Sure. You know, I, Trent Murphy's contract's easy to get out of. I don't think they would, but Jerry Hughes is one of the a- only assets they have left. And we'll get into Jerry Hughes a little bit more and his uh yeah, he had an things to say. Oh save um, it. Save it. But um you know, he could be gone. Lorenzo Alexander will probably be back, but you know, far from guaranteed. There the defense is pretty much built at this point. They do yeah. need obviously some depth and you know different guys they need to figure out if levi wallace is a starter it's not i don't think any defense is ever a finished product where you're going to bring back all 12 starters or all 11 starters basically 12 but basically yeah the way that they play defense you're not going to bring back everybody each and every year so for the most part you know for all intents and purposes that defense is built yeah but the offense i mean you're talking about guys that will even be back on the roster, not even guys that are back as starters. And you've got four that you can say pretty confidently that they'll be on the roster. But yep, that's only because you can't go out and get 22 starters in one offseason. Right, and it's not even to say that Robert Foster is going to be a starter next year. No, just let's, that he'll probably be on the roster. Let's throw that out there. I mean, if you go through all those names I just listed of the players that will – at the very least, be here next year of the starters in this lineup today. That was a total of 12 out of 23. That's 11 positions in the starting lineup that are not, were not, they were either injured and Taron Johnson and Matt Milano, or they don't exist yet, which is, just goes to show how much work they have to do in the offseason to try and turn this thing around to put a talented enough team around them, which is, it, it's kind of, it's, it, it's kind of a miracle that they've been, over the last four weeks, in a position to win games with the type of talent that they have around them. Now, the Jets aren't that talented either, but, you know, this is this is still a all-hands-on-deck situation for the Bills, and they don't really have a lot of great pieces. And we, we knew that going into the season. They've had some guys develop, like Foster, like Taron Johnson, like I'm Levi Wallace. I'm ready to say Robert Foster is better than Zay Jones. 
I'm almost. I want to give it a little bit more time. It's I want to see how he responds. I want to see how he responds next year more than anything. We'll see what what the off season brings for him and what the off season brings for Zay Jones because last off season was a mess for him injury wise and oh, yeah. off the field wise. Mm-hmm. He, you know, so but the thing about Robert Foster is he has a trait that the defense has to account for. Yep. And I don't know that Zay Jones has that, and so Zay Jones has to win in other ways, and he doesn't do that consistently. I know he had the touchdown at the end of the game, but. And this is not a, you know, bash Zay Jones deal. I, I think Robert Foster has shown that he's got a chance to be something in this league. And like you said, the offseason will be important. You know, we have to see how this guy responds and whether he can play more than half a season at this level. But today the Patriots tried to take him out of the game, and they did for the most part. But I think it says something where it felt like Robert Foster didn't have a great game and he still caught four passes for 52 yards. Sure. Usually when guys have, you know, we, how many times have we looked at the stat line at the end of the game and said, oh, Zay Jones, you know, two targets, one catch, seven yards, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Robert Foster's had his clunkers, obviously, this year, but on this little stretch that he's on right now, you know, four catches for 52 yards when you have Stephon Gilmore following you around and two that you could have had that would have put you over 100 and maybe a touchdown or two i mean it's you they don't have a guy like that not a lot of teams have like he has a his speed is hard to defend Mm -hmm. and you can't coach it zay jones isn't going to become a 4-3 guy in the offseason so i think he's a fascinating player to watch heading into the offseason and you probably wouldn't have said that uh you know back in september certainly not all right it's time to hand out some awards because you all There's a it's, lot to get to in the awards yes today. we certainly some days do. we're really grasping at straws but yeah. i feel like we got a lot yeah a except lot. for except for the first award the matt barkley award of the player that came out of nowhere to surprise you in a good way i that's that's me I've, today i've got one for you if you need me to bail you out let me give me give me like 13 seconds and then and then we're gonna okay so if not i'm gonna find a way to ramrod this into another award it has to be this game, though. Yes, not, it does. It yes, it does. I know where your mind You're changing is. changing the rules. I'm not changing the rules. It's a Bills player. We've done this. We've played the rules. Damn it. The rules are not written, and as I remember them being spoken, it's a player who comes out of nowhere and has a great game. Of the Bills game. Uh, Bills it's the spirit. It's called the Matt Barkley Award. He did it in New York at MetLife Stadium. Everybody knows who deserves the Matt Barkley Award on this holiday weekend. Just do it. They all, many, many of the listeners, everybody was saying it, tweeting at me on Saturday as I was at a family Christmas party. And I was watching as a young Blaine Gabbert was leading the Texans to victory in the second half. A moustached Blaine Gabbert. I gave it about 10 minutes and I checked Twitter and you guys did not disappoint. (laughs) Probably a dozen of you were tweeting, telling me to get to my TV to watch Blaine Gabbert, which I did and was fairly distracted, not really watching the whole game. But after the game, when he was being interviewed on the field, I thought to myself, this looks like a man who has been stranded on a desert island for months. What is that mustache? I I was going back and forth in my brain. I was like, does he deserve the Matt Barkley Award? Does he deserve Come On Darlene for that mustache? Does he deserve... I, I was thinking perhaps it was a reverse Vontae Davis that he had pulled. Either way, an inspiring effort 
who knows? We might get to watch Blaine Gabbert play playoff football. Bite your tongue. Could you imagine? I don't want to imagine it. I want either Lamar Jackson or Andrew Luck in the playoffs. I don't want Blaine Gabbert in the playoffs. Well, I know you do. I think you're alone in that feeling. I, th- I think most everybody in the country, there's just a groundswell of enthusiasm about this about this Missouri man slinging the Duke out in, out in Nashville. People are excited about it. I was asked uh, during my pregame Q&A thing that I do, like, hey, what's uh, – how happy is Fairburn after last night? And I said, he, he has a, an extra little pep in his step when he walked in the press box today. Well, it's nice when I don't have, you know, I, I kind of had let the streak die a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you did, for two straight. Which which was like, it ended the first time, and I was like, I was a little blindsided when it when it ended. You know, I was like, I didn't mean to let it end. And then we had the, the raucous episode with, with TG and and Rock and Waro, and, uh, and, it just didn't come up, and it was like, it's okay. It's all right, you know? But then he's the talk of the NFL this weekend. We're an NFL, we're an NFL podcast. we got to mention the guy, and I'm not going to apologize for it. You never do. I mean, we have been doing this show for almost two years now, and, and, this, and you have not once apologized for your... Uh, for anything. Actually, no, I did apologize yes. last week for my... Uh, I've come on Darlene myself twice, yes. so yeah. I do apologize now and again, but for Blaine Gabbert, no. All right, so uh, that leads us to, I'll take the Vontae Davis Award, you take Dre Archer, the player that did not show up in the second half of this game. How about, I'm giving it, I'm giving it to Kyle Williams. I mean, where were you on run defense all day? Getting pushed around left and right. Star Latula could, could also receive this, but, I mean, Corey Thompson, it, a lot fell on him, but how about the defensive tackles? Show up. I mean, for the, well, Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier's defense helped keep Brady in check a little bit and from a passing perspective. But the run game, yeah, they, that's all they needed today. It really is. And when you have your defensive tackles just getting beat at the point of attack, like those, those two guys were, that's, especially in the second half, that's not great, especially when you're trying to come back. So, yeah. Yeah, though, I'll give it to to the both of them, the the Vontae Davis Ward. Where were we in the second half? Fair enough. Yep. I think they were. There's a lot of ways you could go with with that one, but oh, sure. And the run defense was just ugly for most of the game. Too way too many big plays, and mm-hmm. it it does start sometimes in the middle. There's many things that go wrong when you allow 273 yards, and those guys aren't immune to any sort of criticism. The Dre Archer Award will go to LaShawn McCoy. Ooh, go on. LaShawn McCoy had six carries for nine yards in this game. Pretty good. He did not start the game. Missed the first play. They gave the ball to Keith Ford. After the game, LaShawn McCoy said that was discipline. He had done, he had, quote, a situation with Sean McDermott, and Sean Sean McDermott put him in his place, was the phrasing that... LaShawn McCoy used, and he said he needs to be more accountable as a captain. Didn't want to get into specifics. Sean McDermott didn't address it, but at this point in the season, to have your captain getting involved in a disciplinary issue with the head coach couldn't have been major because it was one play. Right. But 
add to it the fact that he's having an awful season and got wrapped up in a situation in the offseason that put the organization in a tough spot. That still hasn't been resolved. That has not been resolved. All of that, and then he's got six carries for nine yards. Mm -hmm. You start to wonder whether the guy's worth it. And then, so he gets the Dre Archer Award because he didn't show up, but he did show up in the locker room when the cameras turned off and he was cursing at a reporter and calling guy out and trying to peacock a little bit. So to me, he could use a little bit more of that on the field. I mean, he can point the finger. He doesn't like the questions, right? When he's asked about his lack of production or how his season's going or young guys get, you know, Keith Ford got more carries than LaShawn McCoy today. He doesn't like the questions, and he's clearly frustrated with his production. He's hit a, a bit of a wall. Whether he can, he thinks he'll he'll run right through it, and he'll be back to his ways. And but I just think the way he's acting is it's fairly typical of him. But it's also not something you, in my opinion, I don't know. Maybe guys in the room think differently, but it's not really how you think a captain would would be behaving. Mm-hmm. So, Dre Archer award for, for LaShawn McCoy. And there's probably some people out there that, that wish uh, LaShawn McCoy would go the way of Dre Archer. And not and come just back. just disappear. Yeah, he's been... He's neighboring on the border of irrelevance with Bills fans at this point. Because some people are like, oh, gotta get shady out there. But those people are getting less and less loud, at least from a social media perspective. He's not but, doing much no. with the ball. Yeah, and but, again, there's so much going wrong that to know the extent of which he has dropped off is really hard to pinpoint. Sure. But to me, I just think there's he's he's just not quite the same. And maybe he can pull out of it when he's got a better offensive line or or whatever, but I don't know. I think you have to at least reconsider the commitment to him in 2019 because yes. you hand him the captaincy and you know I don't know that he's quite behaved that way right um, and again I'm not in every meeting or seeing how he is with his teammates behind closed doors they voted him that for a reason I just think you know and for the record the reporter he cursed at was not me so I'm not right. like uh, belly aching because you know I don't really care he can say whatever he wants to whoever he wants but the fact that he's doing that gives you a little bit of a peek into where he's at mentally yep when he stands up there and says i need to be more accountable was the words he used as a captain i need to be more accountable when the cameras he was just were disciplined and then the cameras turn off and he's cursing at a reporter i just you know did you did you learn anything from you know <laughs> you know like not to say that Sean McDermott would necessarily care about that one way or the other but you like, just reminded me of someone like a repeat offender in middle school that gets called in the principal yeah. office and the principal goes did you learn anything the I first mean, time that but that's kind of what you you think is like you just told us you need to be more accountable and then the the cameras turn off and it's you know back to just being who you are I guess and it but if you learned something from you know on the day that you were disciplined, the, yes. what is this? The first game he didn't start when he was healthy in like nine years. On that day, maybe that would be the day you bite your tongue. But mm-hmm. clearly, there's some frustration there, and I think 
LaShawn McCoy and the Bills need to figure out if this marriage is going to last beyond yep. this year because I think they've the the relationship is wearing a little thin. It needs to Clearly, be Clearly if he's not starting a game. Yes, it needs to be discussed because McCoy if they were to cut him save 6.425 million dollars next season. And if they really wanted to, they could hang on to him and see if uh He's got anything left in the spring and summer before releasing him because he's on the final year of his deal and there's no real, I guess, uh, benefit to them based on bonuses, what have you, to cut him before the start of the new league year. They can cut him whenever they want and still save that money. And there's no post-June 1st exemption that would help them save even more or save uh, or have that dead money be a little bit, a little bit less. It's just straight up. But there's also this, that situation that... That uh, has been following him for the past, what, six months now? It still is out there. And it's still not going away. And that's another six months where your organization is completely tied to that situation, which is ugly, if true, for well, LaShawn McCoy. It could change in an instant where right. he, you know, things get worse for him yes and they they could also get better they too. could get better yeah but it's a it's a risk then i don't know from a bill's perspective like what's the benefit of keeping him he's going to be a 31 year old running back he's done next to nothing this season it looks like even when he has room he's not taking advantage of it he's being hesitant out there he's not showing that same speed that he did occasionally every once in a while he does but he gets frustrated really easily it's just i don't know if that's the type of player that you would want to have in your locker room, uh, you know, aside from all the off the field stuff. And then you add that into the equation. I think that might just be something that where you're like, okay, sunk cost. Got to do it. Got to, got to move on. He's not, he's not worth the trouble. $6.5 million is a good chunk of change. That's a player or two. That's a, yeah, it's could be a couple players. That's your first round draft pick. It could be a solid (laughs) player uh, if you spend it in the right place. So, I mean, you know, his situation off the field is what it is. Yes. But even removed from that, you have to ask the question, given the way that he's played. Yeah. He's, he's, his production is awful. Uh, there's no other way to put it. And, you know, beyond that, in a moment's notice, you know, things could take a turn off the field and he could, that makes your organization look worse and he could not even be available. And so... It is a bit risky to to keep him around and to stay invested. It was risky to stay invested in him this year because they didn't do a lot to give themselves a plan B if LaShawn McCoy slowed down. Their best plan B was Chris Ivory. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, an older guy and is what he is. So that was risky in and of itself. And now heading into 2019, you absolutely need, I think you need a better plan A. If anything, LaShawn McCoy should be the number two back. And because I don't, he doesn't look like a guy that you can count on as a featured runner anymore. So I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. But another day where he didn't do much and he's clearly pissed off about it. And sure, that's his right. But like you said, you have to wonder whether that's something that you want in the room. And he's not the only one. Uh, Jerry Hughes was also pissed off and. You know, yelling at reporters, which he tends to do after games. You know, we walk in and he starts yelling about 
today I swear he was yelling about the fact that we didn't, you know, we were just hunting for a story, which like we're in the locker room every single day. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, we're, I guess we're hunting for a story. That's mm -hmm. our jobs, you know, is to write stories and, or, you know, do television stories. But then he was, you know, blaming the media for why he got fined, which I guess the video, you know, was evidence in that case, but it's not like it's the sole reason. And telling, you know, reporters to kick rocks and whatnot, it's like, again, he wasn't yelling at anyone in particular, really, I don't think. But it's just guys like like that, it's like, I guess it hits this point, right, in mm -hmm. December where yeah. it's... Frustrating year, frustrating loss. It's, you know, somebody else's fault. You know, and yeah. and or they just want to take things out on on the easy target or whatever. But frustration was real in that room, and mm -hmm. guys were pissed off. And those are two guys that tend to be pissed off quite a bit. And they're they're two of the the guys left from uh, that aren't Sean McDermott guys, mm -hmm. Sean McDermott or Brandon Bean guys. So, and I think both more so with Sean McCoy is future in question. Jerry Hughes can still play, and you know play pretty well but there was talk about him at the deadline because he's one of the assets they have yep one of the only ones you know that they have left that is from the previous regime mm -hmm. all right time for come on darlene um there are many candidates from today's game though what i think i want to do i think i would like to give it to the punter matt dar who mm. had just a, an atrocious game i mean of all the the, the tasks that uh, we, uh, the, all of the different things that, that we've outlined in this podcast of why things went awry. The special teams certainly did not help things, specifically on, on punt. And Matt Darr was, I mean, it, he knows, he probably knows that this is it for him with the Bills over these last two games. But you also want to put together a quality reel for the offseason, and he just has not done that since he's been here. So I'm going to give it to Matt Darr. And perhaps it's a little weak, but whatever. I, I, I thought he was awful today. And it, it also put the Bills in pretty bad field position for a lot of the time, too. It's fitting that a punter end up on the bracket. Yeah, it has to happen. Because I they mean, have punted, like, hot garbage this season. Yeah, but you know what's great is that the Bills have two punters on IR, both named Corey, one of which spelled C-O-R-Y, the other C-O-R-E-Y. So Corey Carter versus Corey Bajorquez Heating up for the summer of 2019. Get a hold of it at St. John Fisher College. Let's go. It should be a great time. A real hooting I'm very excited about it. Mm -hmm. My come on, Darlene. I got my LaShawn McCoy and, and Jerry Hughes grievances I thought you were gonna, aired here I, on this Festivus I thought episode you were, <laughs> of the Bills Beat. Those, I really thought you were going to go Jerry for come on, Darlene, those but grievances, you just dove right into it. Those grievances have been aired. I got them out of the way. To free up my come on, Darlene, for a man who I really think deserves it. And that is the man who was on the Jumbotron. I he won some sort of contest. Some sort of ticket giveaway or uh, JetBlue deal or was whatever. It the, was it the the gift wrapping thing on the field that they did? No, he was in the stands. Okay, so it was they the They asked him something. Okay. I don't know what it was. But he was on the Jumbotron for maybe 15 seconds and probably dabbed about 30 times. Just repeated dabs it was that's, almost like when a you know when like you had a vcr and the tape would skip that's yeah. what it looked like how many dabs he was doing and i am all for a good dab now and again 
you know? There's a time and a place. But grow up. Also a quantity. Right. Grow up. Stop it. Knock it off. Way too many dabs. A dab is much better when it's in isolation. There was no form. There was no rhyme or reason. He just looked like a tool. And I think he deserved come on, Darlene. So, so now we have a potential situation where dab way too much guy might match up with upper deck man boob man from Baltimore. And it's really a shame the last time we were handing out come on Darlene in this stadium it went to I believe it went to the two that were making out on the kiss cam. Oh that's right. Which, which may we... or may not have been Rodax Mouth. <laughs> I mean nobody knows. Nobody can say one way or the other. I, I don't can. know if she has an alibi. Nope. Me neither. But We've looked into it. Still don't know. That means twice somebody's ended up on the Jumbotron that has made an ass of themselves at Gillette Stadium. So good job by the cameraman. Exactly. <laughs> all in all, that's uh, that's all we can can point to for this game. Okay, so that's going to do it for us on this holiday rendition of the Bills beat. The Bills have only one more game remaining against the Miami Dolphins, who were eliminated from playoff contention today because they couldn't beat the Jaguars at home. Chalker. <laughs> Was anybody surprised? But... So the the uh, Dolphins are done. So next week's game, essentially meaningless, except for if you're looking for more progress from Josh Allen and, and that sort of thing. But until we get to that spot, we will next talk to you on Thursday. And from the bottom of my heart, I don't, I'm not going to speak for Matthew Fairburn because I did that once and I got in trouble with him. From the bottom of my heart, Happy holidays, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful time with family, friends, whatever it is, or you have fun FaceTiming if you don't live by them, what what have you. Just, just Or if not, you can spend it with us. Yeah, have a good... Just re- repeat this podcast over and over again. We'll, we're here for you. And let's let's uh, take down the dabbing guy one moment at a time. We will find him. Yeah. He's, his name's probably... Gerald. <laughs> could Could be. Who's to say? I'm sorry if there are Geralds that listen to the podcast. That was unfair of me. But yes, happy holidays to you and yours. And uh, we will talk to you gladly on Thursday for the uh, second to last 2018 season edition. Be responsible with your dabs. Of the Bills. Yep. Yep. If you've learned only one thing from this, don't over dab. Got it, folks? Okay. For Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for listening to us. Have a happy and safe holiday. We will talk to you on Thursday. See ya.